Hello, everyone. Today it is my pleasure to uh, be speaking with Dr. Jeffrey Eisen. Uh, I I met Jeffrey oh at least a decade ago, and originally I think I came into contact with him through his book Oneness Perceived, uh, subtitled "The Window into Enlightenment." Uh, and just for general information. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Eisen is an enlightenment teacher and a therapist whose unique system of clearing negative karma can free people to complete their spiritual journey in this lifetime. And and that's directly from the back cover of the book, and I think it's a perfectly uh, intriguing statement, uh, particularly about the unique system of clearing negative karma that frees us to complete our spiritual journey in this lifetime. And that's exactly what we'll be Speaking with uh, you about today, Jeffrey, uh, the title for the interview is Spiritual Evolution and Psychonoetics, uh, and we'll be going into exactly what all that means. Uh, but personally, I just wanted to say that, that the book One is Perceived, when I came across it a number of years ago, and I, I'm actually holding my copy in my hand, which has uh, been well-worn, uh, I found it to be... Uh, not only illuminating and concise, uh, but also delightful to read. It, it's very unique in its presentation of uh, non-dual reality, and I think it's it's written in a way that's very accessible. Uh, and I can honestly say that my own writing and and my understanding of non-duality were very positively affected. Uh, by this book, so every opportunity I get, I uh, I enjoy thanking you, Jeffrey, for writing the book and for everything that the book, along with our earlier conversations, uh, has added to my own spiritual life. And uh, and with that, I think we can begin our exploration. Uh, again, I wanted to call the interv interview "Spiritual Evolution and Psychonoetics." And I want to start with the first part, which is spiritual evolution, and begin, perhaps, uh, Jeffrey, by asking you to explain or describe what you would mean or what you do mean when you use the phrase spiritual evolution. Spiritual evolution starts when you... Uh, when you still the mind and you still the mind by going from uh, dual or perceptual consciousness to a perceptual consciousness and uh, another way of another way of calling this would be um, another name for a perceptual Consciousness would be radical agnosis. Uh, agnosis, in the sense of just not knowing, experiencing, mm -hmm. experiencing the voice in your own in your own um, consciousness. It's um, it's going to. Uh, to um, 
universal consciousness as a context rather than rather than uh, individuated consciousness or knowing of. Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? I think it does. Um, a perceptual consciousness uh, versus perceptual consciousness. One one is the consciousness of knowing, and and the other one um, is is the consciousness that that is experienced in not knowing. And I guess it makes sense, except uh, if. Except, of course, it's paradoxical from our, because as you said, we the consciousness that we're in is dualistic, and so it really only recognizes perceptual knowing as knowing, and and the other seems mysterious or almost nonsensical that you could have a knowing that's not knowing, uh, and yet I know exactly what you're talking about when you say that because there are ways of experiencing reality that occur outside of the mechanisms of knowing. One distinction I make is the distinction between knowing of or consciousness, the contents of consciousness, and knowing by being, Mm -hmm. by knowing what you are by being what you are. In, In my later work, I've gone back to a much more mature uh, mature consideration of the evolutionary process itself. And I realized that primitive forms of life, and in a way almost every form is, primi- is relatively primitive compared to a human, uh, compared to you and I, uh, They are capable of doing, uh, of doing, you know, really startlingly amazing things. But it's all knowing by being. Mm. Not, it's not, it's not knowing that this thing goes here and that thing goes there, and then you know you turn it around and you, you know, it's 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 the knowing. Of being that that we experience when when we drive so when we've been driving so long that we can sing a song and text while driving right and at the same time uh, uh, jump into focus into complete awareness when when uh something runs into our path or we or we uh narrowly avert an accident or something like that. It's like all of a sudden we're driving again consciously and then uh we have a little bit of that was a close one and then we go back to driving automatically. But we're right. still driving. And I think that that is the the way that more or less the way that um, all of these primitive forms of life, you know, amoebas and plants and ducks and geese, all of the things that are attributed to instinct and stuff like like that are are actually um, 
held in a held in non-dual consciousness, mm. knowing by being. So you started by saying that that the journey of spiritual evolution begins with stilling the mind, and and you were saying that stilling that means moving from our perceptual consciousness, which is the knowing about, uh, to to an aperceptual consciousness, which is knowing by being. Right, and and that's that's you, I believe you said that is that the 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 initiating point of spiritual evolution. I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, a story about my own uh, discovery or my own evolution, my own enlightenment, if you want to say, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I was reading Wei Wu Wei, and. Um, I guess it was, you know, like 15 or 20 years ago, you know, something like that. And uh, all of a sudden I understood that everything that he was talking about really came down to the fact that the individual self was an illusion. The individual separated uh, embodied self was an illusion. So I had already developed some clearing techniques by that time. So I can see the the notion of clearing the the illusion or the belief that I was an individual, an mm. individual self, an individual I. And uh, at first, it was really an unknown, and I was really terrified to do it. And I, I, uh, it was like, you know, going, it was like jumping off the high diving board blindfolded, not knowing whether there was water in the pool or whether you were going to go in, into concrete. Mm. And I think that I stayed in this in this um, uncertain state for a few days, and then finally I just said, all right, I'm going to do it, and I did it. Mm -hmm. And something very interesting happened to me. I I arrived home. It's like I just felt I was home instead of it's like my my uh, compulsion to prove myself, to prove that I was authentic, to prove that I was this or that, uh, it all fell away. And I just rest, was resting in still being. Mm. And that's really the beginning of of uh, the next stage of my life. Right. And that's why, even though it's very difficult for people to accept that I have these abilities to clear, uh, I don't 
I don't abandon them and just and just uh, advertise myself as you know a therapist or even a non-dual therapist because I do have these abilities and they're so important mm. that even if a few people get it, it's worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And, and by that you mean even if a few people get the significance of these clearing techniques? Yes, and and actually learn how to how to how to do it and pass it on. Hmm. Hmm. And so, just to finish up the discussion about about spiritual evolution, you. I'm intrigued by the fact that this the stillness that you described is be, essentially you're describing it as the beginning of the journey. How does the journey progress from there? Uh, actually, filling in the details mm-hmm. because after I did it and it happened to me, then I started to ask myself, well. What happened? Then I started to get answers like, well, I went to non-dual universal consciousness. And then I started to talk, I started to experiment with with the placement of consciousness in my, in my interior space and which I had al- already had some mastery in because of my uh, of my experiences with inner martial arts, right? And and uh, I found that if my consciousness, if I placed my what I call my point of consciousness, that mm-hmm. which I'm coming from, that which I'm concentrating on, if I place it any place in my body. And then I test on my fingers. I get that I am a human, an individual, whatever you want to call it. If I place it on the, if I place my consciousness on my third eye, and I test on my fingers, I get that I am both human and uh, universal consciousness, or or God, or something like that. Or, mm-hmm radical agnosis, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And if I rest my consciousness above my head and and I just think the question, oh my God, uh, I get a resounding yes. And maybe that's a great segue to to start to talk about uh, psychonoetics because I believe that the clearing techniques that you've developed, which involve the kind of uh, finger testing that you've just been mentioning, you group those under the term psychonoetics. So I wonder if you could um, briefly describe for the listeners what is psychonoetics. And I have uh, you know, had the, the opportunity to uh, have a, a few sessions with you in the past and also recently, and and also 
uh, know people that you've worked with. Uh, and, and the technique is, is very simple. Um, you seem to uh, ask questions and then uh, through the process of muscle testing on your finger, you are able to gauge uh, what the answer uh, is. And, and in doing that, you uncover uh, unconscious beliefs uh, beliefs that we're not aware of that that may be affecting uh, how we are in the world and and maybe blocking us from achieving uh, goals that we have and or keep us in in habits in negative habits uh, and then you do a very simple process of essentially asking that these things be cleared and you know as mysterious as it sounds there is an effect. Uh, you do feel differently as a result. And I know when I've worked with you, I generally experience a state of deep meditation during that yeah. process. And, uh, and and then after the process, I am aware that something very subtle has shifted in my perception around whatever that belief was anchored to. Exactly, exactly. So uh, let me talk about the psycho-spiritual part of it. Please. Uh, um, I start with memories. I start with um, asking the question, and I can even do it. Uh, I can do it uh, out loud or to myself. It doesn't really matter. You know, I can I can subverbalize or verbalize. So the first thing I ask of a person or of myself is. Are you or am I in memory? Then, if I get a if I get an affirmative answer, and an affirmative answer just means that uh, when I move my fingers, uh, I I make a circle with a thumb and forefinger, and uh, with two hands I link them together. I pull. If they come apart, it's it's a yes answer. If if they don't easily come apart, it's a no answer. My theory is that it's just a communication from the non-dual mind to the dual mind. If I get a an affirmative answer on memory, then I will ask: Are there past life memories involved? Because a lot of times, you know, psychoanalysis clears by uh, cumbersome uh, and tedious but effective method of getting to present life memories through association and dreams and all that kind of stuff, and then uh, and then bringing them to memory. And when you bring something to memory you clear it because instead of instead of being part of your knowing by being part of your aperceptual consciousness it 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 becomes a contents again something that you know of or know about mm. and it it's 
it stops becoming your identity and becomes just the contents of your consciousness, which you can now, it's not, it's like now you're not it anymore. You're, it's just something you know about. It's not your identity anymore. Mm-hmm. So first I, I do, uh, if there are any, oh, so what I should say is a lot of times in psychoanalysis, um, people have have done a pretty good job on their on their um, present life memories, but their past life memories are 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 untouched. So I always start with past life memories, and after that, I go to present life memories. Mm. And that is very specific because uh, in order to in order to select a memory, you have to be in a way uh, acting from it. You have to mm-hmm. be in the in the the grips of of the remembered identity. This technique um, of of clearing, uh, you know, that you use, <clears throat> you know, I'm still intrigued by the statement we began with that came from uh, the short bio in the back of your book that said uh, that that, you know, the, the, these techniques, the system of clearing that you've developed, uh, clears negative karma and can free people to complete their spiritual journey in this lifetime. And I wonder if you could speak a little bit about uh, exactly that. Exactly how this uh, this technique and the work that you do uh, can be aimed at bringing people to the completion of their spiritual journey. Well, as I said, it gets it gets you to the starting point mm-hmm. of the spiritual journey. I mean, meaning it gets you to stillness. It gets you to stillness is one way of saying it. It gets it gets you to emptiness. Gets you home. Gets you into radical agnosis, into mm. into uh, original perception as opposed to original sin, or whatever you want to. I mean, right. they're all they're all just ways that over the years I've developed in in different contexts to call it. Well, well, there's a distinction that I've been. Uh, thinking about and writing about that I think applies here and that I would uh, enjoy having your perspective on. And and I initially started to see it in terms of my experience of meditation, but I think it 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 goes beyond that. But but if we start with the experience of meditation, I'm aware that that in my practice there are two levels of surrender that I experience. And the first level is is what I would characterize as as perfect passivity uh it means uh complete acceptance of the way things are and, and a complete letting go of everything and yes. and that does seem exactly you know that leads to stillness uh-huh. and you know but i'm also aware that there's what i would call a second surrender which which perhaps you could say is characterized by a uh, 
an active passivity uh, because in 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 that state of stillness and maybe we're not talking about perfect stillness but it, but in that in the deep meditative state of stillness i begin to become aware of very subtle energies and currents uh, that okay. seem to be enacting some kind of transformative process on my you know mind body heart and soul in in different ways and yes, and sir. in that surrender i i simply allow that process to take place uh, and sometimes it's resulted in hours of meditation in which i felt uh, a lot of physical pain or or in which there was a lot of emotional upheaval or sometimes there's enormous releases of joy and bliss and ecstasy uh, but i'm aware that there's some kind of universal process uh that feels like a process of awakening not not a process of me awakening but a process of of something much bigger than me awakening of which i'm a part and exactly. and i just wonder if if that rings true to you this that there's a surrender into stillness and then there's a universal process of of spiritual transformation that is initiated I, the way i like to put it is once my once i take my hand off the steering wheel something much bigger than me starts to drive when you get to stillness whatever you want to call it or emptiness or something like that the, journey, the, the real spiritual journey starts. What, it's like what um, I, I told you at the beginning. Uh, when I first cleared the, the illusion of being an individual self, I, um, I had this experience of of coming home in a larger context. And that larger context is consciousness itself or consciousness the the uh the absolute or consciousness the context rather than the contents. And so once this Second, you know, once the spiritual journey begins, which you're saying occurs after stillness. Exactly. In some mysterious way, uh, at least as I experience it, we become part of a much larger awakening process. You don't become part of it. You don't become part of it. You already you already are part of it. You return to the awareness. Right. You you become aware of who you already were. Exactly. You know that's what I've been been thinking about and, and working out that there's a there's what you know of course in the end all is part of the one being that I am. Yeah. In my perception, or in the percep from the perception of, as you call it in, in your book, the you know you you talk about the self being a platform for perception. So from that platform of perception that is the self, 
there's an initial so. part of the path which feels like the journey that that self goes on from wherever it thinks it began to stillness. Yes. And at stillness, there's the awakening to who we always have been. Exactly. Which is a process of awakening that has no, that couldn't have separate individuals in it because it's it's a single awakening event. Yeah, it's a whole lot. Well, I think um, there is uh, the coming to stillness where you're saying the psychonoetics can, can really help us, can help individuals and bring us to that point of coming home into stillness, which is then the beginning of our conscious recognition uh, of being a much bigger journey. You know, we've always been that journey, but that's the point where we become consciously aware of it. Can psychonoetics play a role in the spiritual journey after stillness? Now, that so that's where, you know, the first part, or in a way, I, I wear two hats. One is like a therapist guru hat. And the other is the psychoanalytic hat. So at at some point in most sessions, I will do a clearing. And these are very these are very specific clearings because although the clearing itself uh, is the same, it clears <coughs> it clears the. Uh, place that that the uh, the person that's I'm working with is in mm -hmm. so after you know after a couple of dozen clearings you get really clear and you start to uh, need fewer and fewer clearings most um, spiritual teachers have this uh, this um, one-size-fits-all uh, assumption, or my-size-fits-all. In other words, they teach their path, right. and that works for them, and it better work for you if not, it's your fault. Right. Whereas uh, in my, in my, uh, in my, in my therapy slash guru uh, mode, I treat, I listen, and I and I take every client disciple where they are mm -hmm. and address address the the whatever it is that they're working on at the present. And I address it in two ways. One, I, one, I clear people to still mind or empty mind. And two, I, I clear it by, uh, I just say things. You know, or I listen, I say, ah, oh, yeah, that's it, warmer, colder, whatever, whatever <laughs> comes to me, you know, uh, 
or sometimes I'll give specific advice. And having had the opportunity to work with you, I know that uh, the way that you work is partly through listening and and talking and then, uh, as you said, at the appropriate moment, doing uh, whatever clearing uh, emerges as being most appropriate for for the person you're working with at that particular time, uh, given the circumstances. Uh, and I think it's very intriguing this this way of working. Uh, and something you said earlier struck me, and I I thought to uh, maybe end on that point, which is you said at the beginning of this call that what was very important to you was that uh, at least a few people get this. And by getting it, you mean you meant not only appreciating it, but actually learning. Uh, how to do it how to, to do, do it. it and and so i wanted to just ask you is this something that uh can be taught you know because i always put this in the category of some special gift not necessarily something that you could just uh learn to do but clearly if if you want people to do it you must be thinking that it's possible at least in some circumstances to teach it well you know the truth is that when i when I first um, started to um, learn the techniques that psychoanalytics grew out of, uh, I was really, really uh, a dualistic, scientifically trained psychologist. Right. I mean, I had... I mean, I always had an intuitive side, but, you know, I mean, everyone does. But the ability to, the ability to intentionally clear, and I mean intentionally, like, you know, like clearing is like walking or peeing or something like that. It's, you just intend it and it happens. Mm Mm-hmm. The ability to intentionally clear emerged gradually as uh, as I cleared myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that anyone who uh, who uh, has enough sessions can uh, gradually begin to. To um, to to work uh, first on himself, on his or herself, and then uh, to clear off the people. Mm. Interesting. And uh, Go ahead. and uh, some of it is in my book, uh, um, Playing Twenty Questions with God, which mm-hmm. uh, you can. You can order online. It's a, just an ebook right now. Right, and I, I, can, oh, I actually have a paperback copy of that. Yes, yeah, but unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, you might you might get a paperback copy on through Amazon, but otherwise, you just have to uh, get it through me. Okay. And it's mm. an ebook. 
So I just want to say one thing about comic uh, about uh, comic clearing, mm-hmm. uh, which I've been storing up in the back of my mind to say uh, <clears throat> since the beginning of the interview or the comic journey. Character is fate. Character is fate, and karma is character. Mm-hmm. Character is fate. Karma is character. Karma is fate. Karma is is your character in the sense that it it um, it dictates the path you choose for your life, all of the choices that you make, uh, and so on and so on. So uh, when you when you clear past life memories, as you're clearing character, mm-hmm. you're clearing the character that someone was born with. And that, and then was further formed in the process of growing up. You know, like like four children, four siblings that have more or less not, not identical but comparable upbringings, and you know, the same parents will will uh, will be as dissimilar as you know, as as two two different species of animal. Right. Because it's the uh, the basis is is inborn from in the in the reincarnation the the basic what I call the eno is like the ego eno continuum. The eno is that which is reincarnated. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the part of the self that travels from lifetime to lifetime. Exactly. Uh huh. Interesting. And it, the spelling is is e no, like psychoanalytics. Mm. E e n o e, and I chose it uh, because it was it was like ego, you know. Right. Right. Well, uh, Jeffrey, it's been great to talk to you, and obviously we need to do another one of these, but I think this is a, this is a fantastic start to uh, a discussion. And so I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, joining me, and uh, I will make sure that when this interview is posted, people have information for getting into contact with you uh, if they would like to explore your work further. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Eisen's work, please visit www.drjeffeisen.com. I also want you to know that Dr. Eisen has made a special offer for those of us who have been listening to this session. If you email him at drjeisen, that's D-R-J-E-I-S-E-N, at gmail.com and mention this audio recording, you can do a 30-minute clearing session for the reduced cost of only $95. If you've enjoyed this discussion, 
I definitely would recommend giving Dr. Eisen a try. Thank you.